I'm a person that likes to execute. If somebody tells me what to do and it aligns with my goals and dreams, I'm going to execute. Right. And it's a leader. Exactly. He gave me a game plan. I followed it. And the overall outcome of it was that I would be able to start college at a young age. Wow. And so 15 and a half came about, enrolled into college. Uh, remember my very first class in college. Still they, the youngest person around. Still the youngest. Yeah, it's funny. They, they, they asked you to... to to introduce yourself and say how old you are. Like, so, who brought their little brother to <laughs> class today? Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're in the wrong class, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, they're, they're like, hey, introduce yourself. How old are you? I'm like, oh, well, my name is Brian Avila and I'm 15 and a half. Everyone lo- turns and looks at me like, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. They thought I was kidding, but, you know, and that felt good. Yeah. I, I always... I always liked feeling like the underdog, yeah. like I don't belong there yeah. because it made me have a sense of purpose and it made me have a reason to, just like in the fields, I was yeah. an underdog. Right. So I kept getting that feeling. That feeling just came about again. Okay, these people feel like I don't belong here. Let me earn their respect. Yeah. Welcome to the Blitz Seekers podcast. Our podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast and please enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He grew up in the east side of Salinas in the worst part of town. When he was very young, his parents suffered financially so bad they were forced to file bankruptcy. Hating to have to ask his parents for money, he began working full-time in the fields at the age of 12 while still trying to complete high school. In high school, he was introduced to a special mentor who began to open new doors for him and his life took a turn for the better. He was able to finish high school early and even graduated as valedictorian. He started college at age 15 and struggled balancing working full-time and school full-time. A few months before turning 18, his mother was in a serious car accident. This forced him to quit college and have to work two jobs. However, two months before he was 18, he was introduced to entrepreneurship and started his own financial firm, and his life took a turn for the better. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Brian Avila. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, so this is amazing, like like your story. Um, and we always like to start the podcast with basically the story. You know, everyone, everyone I, we feel that if people get to know you, and they'll connect with you better. So, I mean, shoot. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, you know, in the east side of Salinas and what was that like? Okay, well, that's definitely a good uh, place to start. So the east side of Salinas, um, as some people may already know, especially if you're local, it's not the best part of town. It's probably the worst part of town. Yeah, uh, It's known uh, not for necessarily the best things. It's known for a lot of gun- gunshots, for, you know, violence, um, gang violence. And so I grew up seeing that firsthand. Uh, I was actually raised in on Laurel Street, which every other day we would experience gunshots. Uh, We would experience uh, having to see, you know, um, ambulance uh, sirens all over. And it's funny, but growing up, my mom used to used to put us to the side and kind of take us to the corner of a room and tell us that it was fireworks that were going on. And, you know, as we grow up, we started, we started realizing that it wasn't fireworks and yeah. that there was something else going You're on. like, why is the 4th of July every day on our block? <laughs> what, right? what age did you realize that it wasn't fireworks? I, you know what? I don't remember a specific age, but I think it was probably closer to when I was about maybe like 9, 10 years old. That's wow. so young. You know, when you mm-hmm. start realizing that, you start uh, asking yourself, okay, well, why is there an ambulance showing up every, every now and then? And I think you start, you know, you start realizing how 
I think a big part of it was when people start knocking on your doors, asking if you can help them with donations because of people's funerals. And, you know, you just get to see that firsthand. Uh, you know, people, my parents used to open the door. We used to hear, we used to hear that and, and it can traumatize people. And growing up, it was, it was hard to snap out of that because it was a very constant thing that was going on. It wasn't like a shooting every once a month. It was every other day. So it wasn't, wow. you know, it, it, I, it, it take a, it takes uh it takes a hit on you um but yeah so i grew up i grew up there i got to see a lot of gang violence um i got to experience a lot of that myself because i had a family who was also involved with uh with gangs mm-hmm. and a lot of the time just for the simple fact of you being involved with um or having family members that are involved with gang violence uh you find yourself in the middle of situations right. that can endanger your life as well and uh it's crazy but uh Sometimes you feel like you need to be a part of a certain group of friends, a certain group of people, because you feel like you'll be safer with a group of people than without that group of people. Yeah, it's, it's kind of more dangerous to not get involved. It's with like them. being in prison. You have to like hang out with this type of people to be protected kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it got to a point where I I started having people approach me for the simple fact of. I, I had a I had a, one of my one of my siblings was actually involved with uh with uh you know had a group of a certain group of yeah. friends, and I had groups of people that would start approaching me, and it got to a point where I told myself, well, man, if I don't start defending myself or start hanging out with certain groups of people, I'm kind of I'm pretty much having to fend for myself, and so then that caused me to start getting involved. Luckily, I'd never got too involved, right. uh, but of course, I grew up having a certain certain type of friends and. Uh, and to be honest, I'm glad things worked out that way. I did learn to defend myself. And I think even at my my point now in my life, I now that I look back at it, there was a lot of lessons learned. So I will never I if I could go back in time, I, I would never I would never have things work out a different way because I think every experience has its own purpose. Yeah. And so that was just part of that. Yeah, we never realized it uh until later, right? Steve Jobs has this quote that I just love. It says, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards, right? Mm. So, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you're kind of like, why is this happening? You know, why am I in this? Or maybe you didn't realize. Maybe you said, is this how life really is, right? Because, so let me ask you a question. Growing up in Salinas, right, that was kind of like the everyday way of life. You didn't see anything different, right? Was there a time where you went out of Salinas and you saw that life was not like shooting every other day? And it just kind of hit you. Was there a point in time that you, that that happened? Yeah, I think there was a, a few different uh, instances where that would happen. You you notice when you don't when you don't fit in in a room or in a in in a location. There was times where I would go to the they would take us to the good sides of town, or we would go to uh, whenever we could. Our parents would try to take us to maybe like Great America or a a different spot, a different city. And I would get to see other parents with their kids, um, other type of groups of people that maybe were raised in a better better side of town mm-hmm. or a better city. And I would see the way they would interact with each other. And it was definitely different. And we can't we can't eliminate the fact that they also dress different. So, right. if you, you know, obviously, as you're as you're hanging around certain groups of people, you start dressing a little different and people right. start people start looking at you a certain way if you're obviously dressed like danger well yeah. of course nobody wants to be around yeah. you and so and it's funny because yeah. you didn't realize that I was dressed like danger you're like i'm just trying to dress like my homies like right. trying to fit into the crowd that i'm surrounded by you know what i mean but then as you uh, it's very interesting you say that because 
you know, my dad taught me very young. He said, I, cause I used to kind of dress like a little gangster. I thought I was all cool. Right. That didn't last very long. Right. I saw my first, first big gang fight and I was like, Nope, this ain't my life. Right. <laughs> but you start, he said, people will judge you by how you look like instantly. So be very careful how you yeah. dress. Right. So it's, it's funny true. you say that you started to notice that the minute you guys left the environment and people would just automatically look at you differently. Right. Do you remember a certain instance that kind of made you feel a certain way? Ah, uh, let's see. There was there was a variety of different instances, uh, a good amount of different instances. But uh, let's see. If there was one, I would say it had nothing to do with someone looking at me necessarily, but it had to do with if we go into that topic of racism, and I mean, right. you know, that still exists. One time, I went out of uh, out of the city with my with my tia. We went out to San Francisco, and we. We got in line. I forgot what we were going to buy. We are going to buy something, uh, maybe hamburger or something like that. And there was an African-American individual in the front of the line. And surprisingly, the, the people that were helping there, the waiters, the waitresses, they were ignoring this person. They were right. acting as if that person was not there, right. looking past them. And for whatever reason, they were paying attention to us. So then it went into, okay, well, maybe they're not being racist against necessarily uh, Mexicans or it maybe it has to do with the color of your skin. And so right. that was, that was a big part in which I realized, okay, well, how you, how you look does, does affect you depending on who's, who's looking at you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're going to perceive yeah. you a certain way. And sadly there's, um, there's nothing we, we can really do about it sometimes. Um, other times you can, you can try to step, you know, defend other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an instance where I did feel the need to defend somebody. I was at Costco one time and there was a long line. There was a long line and you, there was a, there was a, a Mexican couple that was getting ready to pay for their, for their groceries. And the, the grocery clerk, she went all the way to the back of the line. She grabbed the Caucasian lady or didn't grab her. She, he, she asked her if she would be willing to take their place. And so I obviously thought that was not okay. There was about 15 other individuals between the Mexican couple and that lady. Right. We were right in the middle. So uh-huh. of course we were going to, I felt like I need to say something. I went up to the lady and I said, Hey, what, what are you doing? I mean, you know, she's like, Oh, well, they're not ready. I'm like, well, if they weren't ready, then the probably the most ideal thing to do would be to assist the person right behind right. Mm-hmm. that couple, not the Caucasian lady yeah. in the back of the line. 15 people behind. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, I've, I'm not going to lie. What I did was uh, I took a picture of her, posted it on social media and uh, they made it a big deal. And less the lady no longer works there, which, you know, I mean, good karma, bad karma, I guess, you know, but I think people need to learn to be good to every kind of person, you know? And so, yeah, I think those are Salinas. That was in Salinas. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause you know, Salinas talk about Salinas a little bit because, um, you know, this we're here in the South Bay, right? right? And growing up here in the South Bay, we always hear like, salinas is bad it's you know it's rough or it's like farming agriculture right um so you know as being raised in salinas right can you talk a little bit about salinas like uh the good the bad the the ugly right yeah no i think a a good um a good place to start is understanding that you're a product of your own environment so i had to understand that at a at a very young age because i our parents i feel like they they do care about us. They do love us. But a lot of the time, even if they want to try and give us the life that we want or create 
that happy family that you see in movies, etc. You're you're not we can't have that because our parents are spending so much time working. These right. are parents that came from a different country and they're having to work paycheck to paycheck. And so what happens then, this correlates with gang violence because you see individuals starting to be a part of gangs and it's not because the reason is that they they want a they want a family that they can depend on. They want right. they they want to feel like they belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. And even though they love their parents, they they know their parents love them. Again, their parents are working. A lot of my parents used to work. Literally, they would wake us up at three in the morning, take us to my grandma's uh, my grandma's house. She actually lived in the same apartment complexes as us, and they wouldn't be back till about seven p.m. We would have dinner together sometimes, and then they would go to sleep and follow the same routine over and over. Wow, three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning, and so we we weren't weren't really in a position where we could spend quality time with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it it got me to understand why so many people get involved with gang violence, and you know, it, again, it's not that they don't have people that they that sometimes they don't have people that care about them, but a lot of the time they do, and th- because those people care about them, they're willing to stay away. From them, uh, you know, working, trying to trying to make the money, and that's that's a big part of it, you know. And so, I I got to see that, and and, and again, it, it hurts because sometimes you you see what can happen to to people that create families with the wrong type of people, right? right. And I'll I'll tell you guys a story that's uh, that that I haven't really shared with a lot of people, especially people that I know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is a good one, I think, to be able to share. So when I was in fifth grade, I ex- I had an experience in which I, all of a sudden, I started having people pull me to the side. I was in, I was in classroom, I remember, and, uh, and I had a couple teachers pull me to the side. And they started, in a sense, it felt like a counseling session. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Why, right. why, why are you guys doing <laughs> this? And apparently what had happened was my brother had been shot right so oh, my wow. brother had been shot and he came out he he ever it was on the news etc and i i found out a little bit late i guess but they found out before me and that was a very pivotal moment that was a very pivotal moment that that cost me to have some anger right and i say this because sometimes people want to be involved with a, a certain group of people because they feel they feel like they have to they have to maybe revenge or yeah. maybe yeah. you yeah. know I, I I was angry I was angry I felt like man why wasn't I there maybe I could have defended my older brother right. etc yeah. and and uh, and and it messes with you it messes with your mindset not only having one of your family members go through that but all of a sudden having so many people give you so much attention because that attention wasn't there before right and sometimes, people are going through through certain situations in life that they're not willing to share but all of a sudden they experience something in their life and and they expect them to share to open up about everything they ex- all these people started giving me so much attention that it was it even felt uncomfortable right you were so used many, to it. Yeah. yeah you weren't used to it and so i to be honest there's so much we can say about Growing up in the east side of Salinas, so many different situations, aside from the gunshots and, you know, people being, uh, families separating. We, we can even go into talking about 
how the number one reason for divorce, which obviously it's financial, financial, yes. right? Yeah. So many people, so many single parents. It, right. It's sad to see all of that. Right. Did you have any creative outlets, like healthy outlets growing up? all that stuff is going on around you you know what in in the east side of Selena, it's really hard to have creative um outlets mm -hmm. because what people do is sometimes they'll go out to the park and you know they'll go out and play sports etc but even even those public parts aren't safe you know yeah. you mm -hmm. literally you all of a sudden you're you're having a sports game and a street away somebody's getting shot right you it doesn't matter if there's a church next to there yeah we had a church literally one street away from where from where i grew up that didn't change the, <laughs> no. that didn't change anything people right. were still shooting other people in front of the church yeah. etc and, and fight and if you think about it fighting for what that's conversations that you know you you don't just have in the east side of salinas like what are you really fighting for right you're fighting for a street that's not i mean it doesn't belong to you it belongs to the government yeah. and we uh, you know, and the, and the gangs around there are mainly Mexican gangs in the right. east side of Salinas. It's like, you, we're all Mexican. Yeah, we're, killing each other. Yeah. yeah. Why are we killing each other? We should just be working yeah. together collaboratively towards a common purpose instead of killing yeah. each other. Like, the, the that sounds like a lot of surviving every single yeah. day right. of your life. Yeah. So you mentioned something important. It, it's a cycle. So you made a good point. You mentioned the cycle, right? Because uh, I have a cousin who I lost to gangs. Because, as you mentioned, his parents were always working all the time. Great parents. Love their kids, right? Bad area. Parents never around. But you mentioned this. So you have these immigrants that come to the United States for a better life, right? But really, sometimes they're not given the opportunity. So they have to work, 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 work. Not realizing <laughs> that, you know, if you're in the wrong area, you'll lose your children to the streets, right? So these kids are around by themselves. They're looking for someone to be their family or to accept them right and then here come the gangs and suit them up and be like we'll accept you we'll give you power and you know popularity and you know money and this and then the rest is history right, right? uh so it's crazy because as you, as you said i'm sure all these kids they love their parents they love their family they don't want to do anything to hurt them or hurt themselves but they just get caught up in the cycle you know what i mean it's just a vicious cycle um and so so what age was this when this was all happening Ah, uh, let's see. The whole East Side stage, I believe I was from when I was born to about, we didn't move to the North Side until uh, I was about, I want to say we moved when I was about 12 years old. Okay. So I spent about 12 years there. And um, I wasn't acting like a 12 year old because again, you kind of have to grow with grow the streets, right? Fast, so yeah. yeah, you have to grow very fast. And so we did move to the we ended up moving to the north side, but that didn't make things better. Um, the north side was just, I would say at that point, it was just as crazy as the east side. So we kind of <laughs> went from like bad to... To not so bad, but to, still bad. Yeah, not so bad, still bad, literally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say around that age. Okay. And then so that was the time where your parents had financial struggles. and Right. It's crazy because I was going to say a 12-year-old usually doesn't think I don't want to ask my parents for money. You know what I mean? Right. A 12-year-old usually thinks buy me something. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But you had the, the maturity. I guess it makes sense now because you had to grow up fast because of the streets. Right. right. So you're 12. Your parents are suffering. You see it, right? What what made you decide I'm going to just go and work full time in, in the fields? Like what, what where did that decision come from? I would say being able to see your parents get home after 12, 14-hour shifts of hard labor and visually seeing their sweat 
is again it can traumatize children and if you really some children don't pay attention to that but i started paying attention to that i started seeing the way that my mom my dad would get home and they would somehow gather up the energy to be able to still cook you up dinner still you know spend a little bit of try to spend a little bit of time with you and you could see it if you really pay attention to your parents sometimes and you look at them in the eyes, you can really see the pain that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hide it. I remember there was a lot of situations where I I think my parents would think I was asleep or um, maybe they just didn't think about it at the moment. But there was times where I would hear my mom, for example, in pain in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and I would be awake and it it would just make me think differently. It would just make me appreciate what they were doing a lot more. You're and talking about physical pain? Physical pain, pain, yeah. Body pain. I mean, mm-hmm. um, if somebody that, for somebody that worked in agriculture, once I, there was a couple days where I would, where I went for the summer when I was uh, very young. And I remember working an hour, two hours trying to, you know, trying to keep up with them. And then I realized that I'm like, okay, they're doing this. 10 12 14 hours every single day mm-hmm. i get why i get why they're feeling the way they're feeling so it, it took probably a couple of days of just trying it out mm-hmm. just for fun at the beginning it was let, let me try it out i i think when i first tried it out i was probably like nine ten years old just for the <sighs> summer let me try it out yeah and that's when my my mind switched i said you know what i'd be i i don't know how i would feel asking them for money ever again right without them just simply giving it to me from uh, you know coming from them i don't know how i would ever feel again Uh, you know it made me appreciate money a lot more okay just seeing that so so that makes sense you actually went when you were even younger right for a summer job talk about that summer job right so Mm -hmm. any kids out there if you're complaining about working at the mall or stuff like that that's like air conditioned and nice like don't complain ever again right like so you were going to the summer to help out your parents right and then you literally saw and physically felt like how hard it was for them to do it. So you instantly respected the work that they put in for, oh, yeah, for you guys, right? Oh yeah, definitely, 100%. And so you said you had siblings. How many siblings did you have? Uh, two siblings. So two. I have uh, my older brother okay. and I have my younger brother. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was three boys. Three boys, all boys. Oh, yeah. wow. No, so, we gave my mom some trouble. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, I, I only have one sister. I didn't have any brothers, right? Mm. But my brother-in-law grew up in a with like four close brothers and then like another brother later so it was like mainly boys and they would just tell stories of like like literally they almost killed each other not trying to thinking it was funny right but like fighting all the time or doing crazy tricks on each other but because it was kind of like that with you and your brothers like just lots of fighting or you guys kind of close yeah no i think we were very very close growing up uh very very close i it is this is going to take me into a story of when i was in i believe third fourth grade if you would have seen me back then uh i i was the sweetest kid in in school i was the sweetest kid i would be the type of kid to go to go all the way to the parking lot to meet my teachers and help them with their with their bag etc and so there was a moment where there was two bullies in third grade fourth grade third or fourth grade and they would constantly spend time bullying individuals like myself and I remember one time I got home and I was sharing this with my, with my, with my tia. I was sharing her, my experience with these bullies and my brother overheard the conversation. And right away he, he looks at me, he's like, stand up, stand up. And, and you know, he stood up, I stood up and he's like, 
start punching me. Mm-hmm. So that's when that was my first my first experience in knowing how to defend myself mm-hmm. and i'm glad that i was able to have that experience with my with my older brother it's right. an experience that i i'm taking with me everywhere because it changed my life i learned to defend myself ever every time after that that a bully would try to would try to bully me i i would step up to the plate i would yeah. literally be able to you know take care of my business and yeah nobody would mess with me again you know i would never start fights but right. i'm glad that i was able to you know how to finish them yeah and that experience again goes back to my older brother so we definitely were very close but again with the life that we had within time we ended up you know uh distancing yeah ourselves from each other a little bit we wouldn't uh we wouldn't uh be as we wouldn't spend a lot of quality time together, right. et cetera. The, the focus was different. And a big part of it as well was that my older brother didn't really want me to get involved too much with the things that he had right. going on. He was trying to protect so, you. Yeah, there you go. That's Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. So, he basically had an older brother. How much older is he than you? He is uh, three years, almost four. Okay. Older. Yeah, so, he, in a way, he wanted to just protect you. He uh-huh. was like your second father basically like the yeah. one that was kind of around right exactly so that was that was good i mean he taught you how to defend yourself and and that probably gave you like a newfound confidence right right yeah and then okay so let's let's go back now so now you're 12 and you're like i'm gonna start working in the fields full time right <laughs> like take us through that experience what was that like it, it wasn't an easy experience uh i think my very first job in the fields was uh was working in the grapes and i believe i started around summertime Oh wow! I I went out by uh, passing passing King City. There's a there's some vineyards up in the mountains, and in summertime, out there it gets really hot, really hot. And so, I think my very first couple days, I don't think I lasted the full day. I I was drained in sweat. I you know twelve years old, and I was having to the men have to and i'm not considered a boy when i'm i'm considered a man right. so i had to do everything that every other man grown man was doing i had to carry these uh these every about five to seven seconds these 40 pound uh grape uh you know uh what, what are they cases? called uh, cases like yeah wooden cases like yeah crates, wait, crates. You, crates. Yeah. there you go crates perfect yeah and so every five to seven seconds i would be having to dump them for for the cutters and I mean, after a while, your body's gonna tire out, especially if you're not if you're not used to that. Right. Uh, but quickly, I had to I had to get used to it. I started working great for quite some time, and then my next uh, my next job right after that was a cactus. <laughs> that's when that's when I I learned to humble myself to appreciate money like like never before. I mean, imagine having to cut a a, a type of a type of uh what it what is it a vegetable yeah guess, a type of yeah. vegetable that has so many thorns right that that experience was it's crazy man there was times where i had thorns in my eyes there was Your eyes my eyes yeah they were like, literally God. yeah no i t- did you have any protective suit or gloves or you, anything? You do, uh, but your best protection is learning to, you know, learning to master your craft. I guess you can say, mm-hmm. and uh, even if you wear these these uh, heavy duty gloves and mm-hmm. these boots and all this stuff, uh, these you know your vest and all that good, stuff, it, it yeah, the, thorn- the thorns still go through. Yeah, they still go through, and so you know you could wear all these 
fancy things that you want to wear or whatever. But to be honest, at the end of the day, if it's 90, 100 degrees outside, I mean, you're not going to be wanting to wear that. Right. But it's like you have no, okay, you either wear it and you deal with the heat mm-hmm. or you don't wear it, but you deal with more thorns. <sighs> so it was, that was probably the worst, uh, the worst experience. Um, cactus definitely humbles you down for sure. Oh, cactus. Wow. Um, yeah. What do you, so you guys just cut it in different pieces? Cause it's, <laughs> different. what uh, do you, so I, I, yeah, the good question. No, yeah. so you, it, it depends what we're, what season we're in. So there's okay. cutting cactus and there's also cutting, uh, um, in Spanish, we call it tuna tuna so it's a fruit it's a fruit fruit that grows out of a cactus yeah it's the cactus fruit there you go yeah and it's by the way it's one of the it's one of my favorite fruits it's very good delicious man with some tahini and lemon it's the best thing ever uh but yeah so and and those little fruits have thousands of thorns per you know per per fruit uh so depending the season you're in sometimes it's cactus sometimes it's uh it's a tuna Sometimes uh, we're um, in Spanish, we call it apodando. So it's when we're evening up the uh, we're having to use a like a stick type of uh, it's called an asadon. Uh, I don't know how you, how you say that in English. But anyway, so you, you use that to even up the uh, to even up the plant so that when it's time to pick the fruit, you're able to you're able to reach inside of the inside right. of the plant so you guys keep them like a certain height yeah always. you keep them a certain height exactly that was yeah the thorns are crazy but that was tiring as heck man you're having to rip off these cactuses that have been there for growing for months that turn into each cactus was probably like 20 pounds 15 20 pounds and imagine 10 hours 12 hours of having to rip that apart and you know throw it in the ground consistently it tires you out yeah and another thing about the fields and that kind of work is the speed is important right like yeah like you said mastering your craft so not only you have to do all this hard labor you have to do it quick and you have to do it efficiently right and if you don't you're kind of like hurting the rest of the 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 work the line right right yeah exactly i mean there's there's two different ways you can uh uh now i think there's a couple different ones but there's mainly two different ways you're able to work in the fields either hourly or by contract. Mm-hmm. So if you're working by contract, it, especially, I mean, you have to, you get paid for what you do. So if you're trying to take home a good paycheck, you're going to bust your butt off basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, uh, if not, then you're just going to get paid hourly. And, you know, to be honest, uh, I, my experience with contract was, was really good because I think my very first job in contract was with Salad Savoy, mm-hmm. Salad Savoy and Kel. Uh, they're like these Chinese type of plants. I don't know if you guys have seen them in the stores. They're they're pretty good. Um, and so I was doing that contract. I was working four or six hours. I think at that time I was about 14 years old, four to six hours. But my weekly check was about $1,000. So yeah. $14,000 wow. checks. Yeah. I mean, that was 4000 a month for a 14-year-old? Literally, Ooh, You yeah. were like rich. <laughs> yeah. I was like rich. In Salinas? Yeah. In Salinas, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. That was, uh, that was a good experience. Well, you couldn't even drive. You couldn't even buy a car. Or did you have a car? I had to have a car. I had to <laughs> be able to commute to my... Yeah. You know, my... So you were already driving. Like, okay, everything's mm-hmm. fine now. But you were already driving. How old were you when you started driving? Let's just say. I was... Uh, when I 
touched my first car. My first wheel was probably like 13, but at 14 is when I officially started driving and, oh, wow. you know, I hit the freeway and wasn't too scared to... Yeah. Do you have yeah. a permit? Was that the age for permit? I didn't legal? have a permit, no. No, Joe, this is Salinas in the fields. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, no, I don't, I don't judge. I <laughs> yeah. started driving before I got my permit anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So this... you basically condition yourself working hard at an early age. Right. Like striving for something, mm -hmm. you know, and you got it four thousand dollars a month. Yeah, that was you know just being able to being able to support for my parents. Me being able to support myself was the biggest thing. Yeah. I didn't have to ask them for anything. They wouldn't ask anything from me, but I would still help them out one way or another. I right. would help out with the groceries, or here's a little bit of money, mom, yeah. or just simple things to let them know that I appreciate them being in my life mm -hmm. and yeah. I appreciate everything they've been doing to for me up to this point. Yeah, basically. So yeah. So did you always have that work ethic in you, or was it just because you saw your parents? It just kind of like you think it's in your blood, or you think it's because of what you saw growing up that that's a good question i mean i think uh ever since i could remember i always had this overachiever type of mindset mm -hmm. and a, a, a no quitting type of mindset so i took that from from school and i applied it into the working environment because i never wanted to be the person that gave up especially in the fields because the fields is very similar to to when you start entrepreneurship for example right. where People make comments. There was yeah. a lot of comments while when I started because again I was a very young. Yeah. Comments such as, "Oh, I give you one day. I give you two days. After you're not coming back after two days." Yeah. And that triggered me. I use that as fuel. I use that as fuel because I didn't want to be the person that didn't come back and gave them a reason to keep talking. Right. Mm -hmm. So then after I was there for a month, you know, crickets. Nobody was. Yeah. Nobody was saying nothing. Everybody respected you. I felt like I needed to earn their respect, which right. I did. I yeah. earned, you know, me being able to stick it out. There's a lot of life lessons. And in, in, I mean, you think about it, like most young kids probably would not do that, you know. Um, but because you went through that, there's so many life lessons, you know. But uh, so what was the average age of the men that were working in the fields that you were working with? I would say anywhere between... 25 to 45 50 years old wow so, so you, you were the youngest one then oh no yeah i was so I that's was the why they're one. saying ah, how long it lasts a day but you yeah. right wrong. yeah exactly mm -hmm. and you mentioned something you always had this like uh winning mindset like since you were young right <laughs> and uh where did that come from i would say um again it came from different different uh areas one of them being uh the in school i was always trying to be number one. Mm. I always felt like that was going to be the way out of uh, of the ghetto or right. the hood. I felt like, okay, if I'm scoring all these A's, then, uh, you know, I, I can't just, I, I got that, that Mamba mentality. I was like, I can't just be a, have good grades. I got to be at the top of that list if, uh, if I want people to notice me, if I right. want teachers to spend more time with me, if I'm going to be able to you know, put myself in positions to win. I got to, I got to be the first one. I got to mm -hmm. be the first one. And so I, I took that everywhere I went uh, from, from school to any kind of work that I put myself into. I always try to do the most. And I would say that some of that changed once I started getting into into corporate America type of jobs. Mm -hmm. Some of that changed because I started realizing that even if I did all this work yeah i was still gonna get paid the same yeah. amount that right. other people were getting paid but definitely a winning mentality has always been there being number one at everything yeah. that i that i do for sure it's like you um you draw inspiration from all the negative 
experiences and environment that you had right and then you condition yourself working so hard and you realize okay i'm gonna work so hard but you're still gonna be an employee then you went to an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur basically. right exactly yeah. mm-hmm. that's amazing because a lot of times like i said we don't realize like um you know people always want an easy life right but they don't realize that that's not the way to success. You know what I mean? Like an easy life, unless you're born into like a wealthy family, they just got connections, right? right. But an easy life is not the way to a successful life usually, right? Uh, usually if you have to go through some things, especially young, you know, so it, it almost seems like all this stuff that you went through was like a blessing in disguise. Right, 100%. Yeah, because like, okay, growing up in Salinas, you hated, obviously nobody wants to grow up with people dying every other day, getting shot, not having a bit, but that gave you that drive that I want to get out. So without realizing it, you excelled in school because you said, how the heck do I, how the hell do I get out of Salinas? Oh, this is my way out. You know what right. I mean? But then again, you're special because I'm sure there was hundreds of kids that were just like you. And not all of them were the top in school. Not all of them, you know, were managed to not get shot or not get deep into it. So there is something special about you, right? Because you you managed to to go through all that and still make it out, right? It's, I think it's definitely your heart. The fact that you you seen that you seen your your parents working so hard, you know, hearing your mom being in pain, like, and you love them, they love you. It's you you led from your heart, you know what I'm saying? And, and all that experience, I think, it definitely prepared you to where you are right now. Definitely, I agree yeah. with that. What about your siblings? Uh, did did they end up doing big things too? Or are you the are you the only one? You know, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I think there's a limited amount of people, if if more than one within your family, that's actually going to be able to step out of that traditional mindset, especially especially a culture like Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. So many people have a such a traditional mindset of you have to you have to be okay with what you have. Right. And so, and, and I can agree with part of that, which yes, you have to be okay with what you have, but you should never be satisfied. Right. You should want more. And especially because your parents, I mean, some of, some of our parents are coming from a different country and they're crossing borders where they're walking seven, eight, nine days, sometimes without food or water. Right. And, and for you to say, you just want an average life or to even think that that's what you should settle for. That's that was never an option for me. Right. I thought to myself, you know what? Everybody else wants to become uh, in Salinas. It's OK. You want to become a, a teacher, a police officer, a doctor. That's what everybody wants to become. But I told myself, you know what? I, I don't want to be like everybody. Right. I, I want to be different, especially because they what my parents did. Right. So even though they were a lot of the time, the advice that they give you is coming from a from a place of what they know mm. right what they know not my parents would always would always let me know hey you know so here here's the thing my my mom would always would always tell me brian okay be happy with what you have be grateful but keep striving for more mm. but the conversation was always a little bit different with my dad so my dad was more of in spanish we say conformista yeah. so always very comfortable and you know what if an opportunity presents itself i mean don't feed it if you have this yes yeah, be okay to got, yeah. stick to what you got and so you got to be able to you got to be able to differentiate 
and and be respectful to their opinions but at the same time be able to do your do your yeah. own thing yeah. yeah that's very powerful because um so now i get it regardless of what, what your mom knew she was doing she planted the small seed that there is an opportunity for you to do more right and so what i've noticed is from all the people we've interviewed and even myself like everybody that's done something big they had someone in their life young that was an example or someone feeding them like you're great you can do more stuff like that right so for me it was my father like my father came from mexico he he came illegal he did all that kind of stuff but he always thought different right he was always a leader he always didn't want to just settle he wanted more like he was you know so i saw that growing up he was like he was trying to be an entrepreneur right didn't work out he ended up an employee but i saw him like work real hard and struggle and just 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 do things differently right so that was my example of, of something differently so i could see like even though your your father was a conformista or you know he liked to to be happy and a lot of people are like that right you still had your mom that said okay mijo like be happy with what you got but there's more you know right. how I do think, you balance that though like it, hearing like the opposites you right know what I mean? it's it's not it's not easy it's not yeah. easy to balance it out because again sometimes the conversations they if if you don't know how to handle those conversations they can sometimes turn into little arguments right. at times and so it, it's not easy i mean i don't think there was ever a perfect way that i approached it there's two different point of views there's obviously my mom's point of view and there's my my dad's point of view and sometimes those conversations can turn into arguments right because when people perceive things through a certain point of view if your thoughts or beliefs contradict their thoughts and beliefs if they if they come from a very from a perspective that their that their parents and grandparents pass on to them it's really hard to change the way mm -hmm. they're thinking mm -hmm. and so yeah there was there was times where you know now that you mentioned that i think that's a big reason why my dad and i our conversations were always very short they right. were always very short they we would never have a very deep conversation i would never feel like i could open up to him again mm -hmm. because of the way the way he was raised his yeah. beliefs his thought process your mindset was changing and it didn't match 100 percent. yeah my mindset right. was changing it didn't match and and that's difficult when it's your father it, it is yeah you know it, what i mean that's pretty difficult it is and so our quality time you know we'll backtrack back to this conversation but my dad and my quality time was working in the fields uh, that's where i would mm. have probably the closest thing to a father-son relationship because you guys could connect because it was about you were on the same level. It was about work. Exactly. It was about work. It was about what can you teach me? And he had a lot to teach me there. Yeah. Outside of that, it was really hard for me to be able to take into, if I can be honest, it, it was really hard for me to take his opinions into consideration. Right. Mm -hmm. Because again, his thought process was very different than mine. Yeah. yeah. So it's you, like you don't, you can't agree with it, but yeah. you, you can respect it. Listen to it, but I don't agree with it, you know? It was it was pretty crazy because, number one, you were forced to grow up very, very fast. Right. So even though you were not even a teenager, basically, you were already like an adult, right? So the, to be able to uh, interact with your parents, it wasn't like a child to a parent. It was more like an adult to another adult, right? Exactly. And then now um, you started to realize that your the mindset that your father had didn't agree with the mindset that you had. And that's a very tough situation too, because you love your dad, and you know that's your father, right? Regardless of what happens, 
But now you're like, dang, I can't even go to this my father and have a good conversation or or whatever. Um, but again, that, I think that was another adversity that ended up being a blessing, right? Because you were able to now form your own way of thinking, right? Exactly. And that's what that's what led you to become a leader and do things differently, right? So you worked in the fields till 17, but so that was good times with your dad in the fields, working hard, learning a lot from him, right? Correct. Um, and then you graduated from high school at 15. So let's talk about your mentor, right? Because so now you're working in the fields, you're going to high school. Talk about how difficult that was and then talk about how your life, how you ended up meeting that mentor that ended up changing your life. Okay. Well, I think after a couple years of working in the fields full time, Right. right. It, it's all fun and games when you, you know, go for a weekend yeah. and, you know, make, make a couple hundred bucks. But when you go two years in a row, after two years in a row, I got to see it all. I got to, again, I got to humble myself, value money, value my time. And I started thinking to myself, okay, well, one, this is not the life that I want. This, I want, I want better than this. I remember there was moments where I would, I would see our patron, our boss, uh, stop by, and all he would do is, you know, give an order and cruise around in his truck around the agricultural fields and expect more out of us every single time he stopped by. And I thought to myself, man, well, you know, we're we're the ones working hard. We're the ones, you know, and it made me think differently. I said, I said to myself, you know what? It there's gonna be a time sooner than later where I'm not working. I'm not exchanging my time for money. Right. And once I got into that mindset, I figured, okay, if I want to be successful, well, I've got to hurry up with this whole school thing and finish it up as fast as possible. So obviously the only route that I could take was independent studies. I was doing independent studies while working full time. I would I would go one day, it wasn't even a day to to school. I would I made a I made a really good friendship with my teachers. I was always really, you know, I, I guess I was good with my words. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, instead of doing a whole day of, of, uh, of school, you know, just stop by, pick up my load of homework, take it back. And as long as I returned to complete, com- completed, mm-hmm. they were okay with that. Wow. And so I used the rest of that day to obviously work as well. So I would have them stay stack me with credits i would have have them stack me with credits a lot of the time i wouldn't even wait a whole week to get another load of uh, of work and they wouldn't even they wouldn't even tutor me because again i spend most of my time working so i was having after work and after my 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 personal life i was having to spend double the amount of time studying because i didn't have my tutor so i was having to figure things out on my own i was having to go on google go on youtube and how do you do this how do you do that? But it worked out. Another be- blessing in disguise. Another blessing in disguise. It, it taught me how to take initiative, how to right. figure things out on my own. And so what happened was I finished, I didn't realize it, but I finished so many credits at a very fast pace that it started getting attention from certain people, mm. such as my my mentor, Joe DeRussi. So... I wanted to find a way to get to somebody that can open up doors for me because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. So again, I made a really good friendship with my teacher. Through my teacher, she connected me through to another person. That person introduced me to another person, and that person was the person that introduced me to Joe DeRussi, right. who um, at that point 
And matter of fact, I think he might actually still be this, but he was a director of Monterey County Office of Education. Mm. So he had a lot of connections, a lot of network, and he put a game plan together for me. I'm, I'm a person that likes to execute. If somebody tells me what to do and it aligns with my goals and dreams, I'm going to execute. Right. And it's a leader. Exactly. He gave me a game plan. I followed him. And the overall outcome of it was that I would be able to start college at a young age. Wow. And so 15 and a half came about, enrolled into college. Uh, remember my very first class in college. Still they, the youngest person around. Still the youngest. Yeah, it's funny. They, they, they asked you to... to to introduce yourself and say how old you are. Like, so, who brought their little brother to <laughs> class today? Right. Right yeah. yeah. You're in the wrong class, buddy. <laughs> exactly. No, they're, they're like, hey, introduce yourself. How old are you? I'm like, oh, well, my name is Brian Avila and I'm 15 and a half. Everyone look, turns and looks at me like, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. They thought I was kidding, but, you know, and that felt good. Yeah. I, I always... I always liked feeling like the underdog. Yeah. Like I don't belong there yeah. because it made me have a sense of purpose and it made me have a reason to, just like in the fields, I was yeah. an underdog. Right. So I kept getting that feeling. That feeling just came about again. Okay, these people feel like I don't belong here. Let me earn their respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? You thrive so. on that. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Underdog story. That's a cleaner mentality, right? Definitely. Yeah. So uh, what was that like when you went into college as the youngest person in, in the whole class? That was... It, w- it was good. Um, I did feel like I had to do more than the average person mm-hmm. because I would always try to put myself on the other person's perspectives, aka in this case, the teacher. Mm-hmm. And again, I knew if I wanted to open up certain doors, I was going to have to prove myself. Sometimes people look at you because of your age and think, okay, well, how credible is this person or what can they really bring to the table? And so it wasn't... But it was a good experience. It was a good experience because it felt really good being able to just me know that, okay, I'm 15 and a half. Every other person is 18 or, or, a older. Lot of these, or older. A lot of these people are older. What, what were you studying? Was it just basic GE? I, you or? Know, I started studying criminal justice at the beginning. Okay. It has to do with obviously you where be a cop? I, I, it's funny. I actually wanted to be an FBI agent. Okay. Yeah. So cop, FBI agent. Um, something bigger, in law enforcement. Exactly. Something that was going to be able to help out the community in a sense, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I grew up seeing the opposite. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can help out this way. And so I started with that, but my my career choice changed soon after that. I, we went into, we decided to go into, I decided to go into business because I decided to go into business because I started talking to people that were in criminal, criminal justice that were in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, they love what they did, Mm -hmm. but they didn't feel like they were being paid what they were worth. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have that feeling. Which is smart. Where'd you learn that? Because they always say, Whatever career you want to go into, interview people that have been there for a long time. Right. Because that'll be your future, right? So where did you learn that? Did you just think of that or did someone kind of teach t- tell you about that? Well, I had a teacher that okay. uh, was in law enforcement and he would constantly tell us stories about when he was in law enforcement and I would look at his, uh, his current lifestyle and yeah, I would yeah. think to myself, okay, well, is this how I want to end up? Is this how I want right. to retire? A great person and yeah. he lived a great life, of course. purposeful life. But that's just not the route that I wanted to. Yeah. To go so you had examples. I had examples to, to look like that I wanted to follow, and examples that I didn't want to follow. Yeah. So it's good yeah. to to know both. 
Definitely. So you, yeah. you switched to business. How old were you when you decided I'm going to business? Now? I would say it took me about it took me about three criminal justice classes to. Realize. Oh really? So yeah, it was pretty it was, quick. It was yeah. pretty quick. Oh wow! Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah. So now you're on your business career, and you fin. Did you? So you, did you finish school or did you not finish school? I no, I didn't. So five classes before graduating, five with classes. my with my degree in business. Wow. That's um. That's when I had a, a life-changing event. Uh, my mom was actually in a very bad car accident. Yeah. So at this point, my mom was working 16-hour shifts every single day, uh, Monday through Sunday. So there was no days off. Monday through Monday Sunday. Monday through Sunday. There was a lot of work at that time. And these workers were being overworked, like mm. overworked. Obviously. I don't even think that's legal, right? It's not. Right. No, yeah. yeah. And But yeah, so there's that. And so... 16-hour shifts every day, and plus she would commute from Salinas to Soledad, which a 30-minute commute is not all that crazy, but after you work 16-hour yeah. shifts, I mean, especially labor work, it's it's you're going to feel it. Yeah, your they bo- say most car accidents come from people falling asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. Not it, from alcohol, people just literally falling asleep. Exactly, yeah, and so she's working this many hours, so one night we got a phone call, and she had been in a car accident, so apparently what happened was that she was tired and she was right in the entrance of Soledad, right next to there's a big sign that says it's happening, right? Although nothing's happening in Soledad, right? <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? Nothing, it's, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and so right before the entrance, uh, she fell asleep and apparently her truck rolled over seven times in the middle of the freeway. Oh my God. Uh, the truck ended up smashed, the firefighters, the ambulance had to break her out and they told her it was a miracle she made it out alive so mm-hmm. luckily she made it out alive uh thank god of the universe whatever we yeah. choose to believe in and that's when everything changed for me so i was really thankful that she made it out alive but here comes the ambulance bills here comes the medical bills here comes me feeling like i'm not doing enough right mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. that's been a big part of my life yeah. being it i think that's sometimes i'm a little too hard on myself where i think to myself man I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Things All need high to be... achievers are like that, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Man. I, feel, I <laughs> yeah. feel your pain. Yeah. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. And so that happened. Uh, you know, she couldn't work because her injuries, mm-hmm. right? And so I was full-time in college. I had my full-time job. And I could have continued pursuing, pursuing uh, what I was pursuing um, because my parents never asked me for anything. But again, I felt like I needed to do more, so that caused me to drop out of. As it is, I was already considering dropping out of college. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, say that that was a hundred percent the reason why, but I was, uh, I was thinking about dropping out already because the whole example situation. I was having teachers teach me how to grow a business, but then I would have conversations with them in private and ask them, "Hey, well, what kind of business do you have going on?" Like, oh, well, I, I don't have any business going on. And, right. and I would think to myself, okay, well, wouldn't it make sense that if you're teaching business mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. uh, maybe you have actually a own a business? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And so I, that didn't, uh, that didn't uh, give me the, that drive. It didn't want to make me keep going. Mm-hmm. And so I made that happen. I dropped out. And a couple months after that, that's when Joe DeRussi came back into my life. So some one way or another, he was always in my life. He's it's like a guardian angel for you or something. Literally, he's he he treats me like the son he never had. That's awesome. He's expressed himself in that in that way. Um, Joe DeRussi is now in his uh, in his mid fifties. We've grown such a great relationship to the point where 
we one of one of the best conversations I ever had with him. He wants me to he wants me to speak at his funeral. Wow. And so by the way, I'm not the only person That's a pretty this guy, crazy conversation for someone to have. It, it is, yeah. And and I'm not the only person this guy has this guy has changed so many lives. Right. If if you guys knew everything that this guy has done for the community, for endangered youth and by the way, prior to him mentoring me, he actually he actually took my brother under his wing and helped him out one way or another as well. So, mm. you know, it just and, and I it, it's weird the way it happened because I had to go through three, four different people to get to him. Yeah. My brother got to him out of coincidence. Wow. And I didn't find that out until after I got to Joe DeRussi. He's like, what's your last name? Like, He's like, oh, are you, you know, this person's brother? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I actually mentored him. Oh, wow. And so... <laughs> Came back into my life and uh, gave me a phone call and said, hey, listen, I don't need you to explain to me what you're going through. I can imagine your financial situation or your families. I feel for you, but I got a couple people I want you to meet. And so that's when financial services got introduced to me. Wow. So um, now you're working two jobs. Um, this opportunity comes to you. Uh, what was your feeling at the first my feeling, uh, that's a good question. I think I didn't know what to feel at the moment because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Right. So I was always a very open-minded person, always very open-minded. Uh, but I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew I trusted Joe DeRussi. Okay. So this is where trust goes a long ways. And the what he did for me, his influence in my life just made me trust him with anything that he yeah. had to say. You knew he would never steer you in the wrong direction basically 100 percent. not only because of his influence in my life but his own reputation in monterey county i just knew this guy was anything he introduced me to i knew it was going to be 100 percent legit it was going to be something that he saw me doing good at that was our very first conversation he said brian look what you have not many young people have and i think it needs to be placed into the right vehicle for you to sprout the way i feel like you that you need to be yeah, sprouting. the right soil yeah a hundred percent yeah and so you're a redwood you just need to be in the right soil <laughs> right literally so that happened and when the opportunity presented itself to me i you know i saw it as another stream of income uh just something that would help me help me be able to help my family out and little did i know that it was going to become part of my passion and so right now we're, we're here now we're building it yeah so talk a little bit about that. Talk about your business. Talk about the first steps because I'm sure it wasn't easy in the beginning, and uh, you you weren't even old enough yet to uh, to to get started. Uh, you had a few months where you had to kind of do like an internship type deal. Yeah. So, so talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the way it worked out was Joe Deruzzi. At that time, he thought I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. So apparently he forgot my birthday and his daughter and I have the same birthday. I'm like, how do you forget my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, he he um, he invited me to an overview. So an overview okay. meeting where I was going to be introduced to this company, get to see what they do, etc. So again, I was only 17. I saw the overview. They sold me this dream. And I fell in love with the way they helped clients with what they were able to do for people. I saw myself being able to help our own type of people with that. Mm -hmm. I walked out of that overview meeting and and I spoke with Joe DeRussi. He's like, how do you like it? I'm like, I love it. And he's like, okay, well, here's what it takes to get started, et cetera. And then he mentioned the age requirement. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, my my... 
my hopes and dreams yeah, just kind of like yeah. they were crushed. Yeah, I, I I said, Joe, I'm you know I'm still 17. He look, he's like, you're kidding, man. Like you're you're not 17. I'm like, I'm still 17. <laughs> he's like, dang, I keep forgetting yeah. because you're in college and you're doing all this stuff. Yeah. I keep thinking that you're older now, and so. So then what happened was they told me I couldn't legally start till I was 18. So I didn't want to wait till mo- two months to start learning this stuff. Right. So what happened was I started sneaking into these meetings. I started, uh, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to, but I really wanted to learn. So I started sneaking into the meetings. And then when 18 came about, on my 18th birthday, I could have been doing everything else that every other 18-year-old we would be doing at 18 i don't know if you remember what you were doing at 18 but a lot of people not that that's for sure yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> not that i was mo- partying yeah mo- most people prefer uh, to do that right um at that time though i think i would have i would have been thinking about partying if my the experiences that i had going on at that time weren't going yeah. on at that time yeah. so my mind was just yeah. i couldn't think about that mm. there's no way with your life that you could have been thinking about wasting time exactly you're and in your own path anyway yeah so. I, I was in my own path actually I'll, I'll 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 change change my thought i was actually an intern with the oakland raiders when i was 18 Ooh, years old okay raiders. i was interviewing with the general manager of the oakland raiders telling him i wanted his job so no way yeah that's what i was doing at 18 what's up bruce allen if you watch this hopefully you probably will never watch this but if you ever do how's it going thank you for the opportunity right that's crazy yeah but again you know it's kids that have leaders in their life or mentors and, and right. they, they're driven and they have a different mindset so right 100%. so 18 so 18 on my 18th birthday i spent my birthday uh getting my agent code number we all need that through our company and uh and getting my license out of the way yeah so the california state license the california state license yeah. i couldn't legally study under my name prior to being 18 but i made friends yeah right? i made friends and there's nothing wrong with studying it's not illegal right, right. there's yeah. nothing wrong with studying so i made friends and i was able to actually again study starting tables. early just like your whole entire life exactly and so that's what i spent my 18th birthday doing i went uh funny my first my first time trying to take my test i was being clumsy and i forgot my wallet at home so i wow. didn't have my driver license i had to reschedule it so i rescheduled where was the it. test at was it far from your house it was uh in santa clara so from wow. solid to santa clara what is that like a, an hour and a half an, an hour. hour and a half uh yeah there you go like two hours. 20 minutes two hours wow. yeah, it was two hours because the traffic it was around 6 p.m so that's when so you drove two hours got there and couldn't even take your test right and i and you it's funny i'm always an early bird right yeah. so i got there an hour before but even if i drove back and yeah, came, it, i was never it. gonna make it so we scheduled it and then i i passed it on my official first time taking it okay mm-hmm. uh pass it by one question nobody ever asked me but i passed no, it by one it's question. Okay. as long as i pass it yeah. right i had the same license and i pass it by like two <laughs> percent that's all that matters right? right yeah literally i tell people when when you know if you have your degree through college nobody ever asks you hey what were your grades in college yeah. Right. Yeah. if you have your degree you have your degree and so First month, it, it, first month, I experienced a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. A lot of adversity. I believe it was the last something you were not new to at all. <laughs> I wasn't new to, uh, but this event was a very pivotal event because last week of February, I was involved in a in a very not so good accident. So wow. I was close to passing away in that car accident. You? Uh, oh wow! Yeah. So uh, basically, my car went straight into a tree so straight oh, into a tree trees that, don't mess around oh no they don't mess around this tree was solid and great yeah. to the ground yeah and so 
car smashed into there. If you look at pictures from the car, you'd be surprised that somebody came out alive from there. Wow. Car took took turns, it took flips, it took a tree, and some way, somehow, I was able to make it out alive with that with a simple scratch on my cheek. I I was Jesus I was Christ. grateful. It made me value life to a whole nother level. Thank you for tuning in. That was the end of part one. Part two comes out next Monday, 9 a.m. Please stay tuned. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so that YouTube will let you know when the next one comes out.